Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just turn to that neighbor to the left and the right. Say, I believe God has a blessing with your name on it. I believe that. And if you really believe that, put those hands together to celebrate God in this place. To Pastor Lomax. To Pastor Lomax in his absence today, to his lovely, to his lovely wife and, and daughter, to all of these preachers who are here, our deacons and our host team, our worship team. Let's give our worship team just a wonderful, wonderful. To, to our band, the greatest band on this side. Let's see. Ne never take, never underestimate the value of worship. That whenever you come into this building, I don't care what has happened and what didn't happen. That you have to look at this as your sacred time with God. I know we're on a time schedule, but you, you, you have to say that my time with God is too important to let him, her, whatever, distract me from giving to God that woke me up that kept me in my right mind, that opened doors and made ways. I know we got to go into service, but can you give God one more praise that I'm still here? Bless your name. Hallelujah. 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 Tur tur turn with me today to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Choosing today to read it from the King James Version of the text. God wants to do something in somebody's life today. Somebody has been hungry and thirsting for a breakthrough. God said, your tears have not been in vain. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 15, it says, study to show thyself to prove. Unto God. It says a workman that needed not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. I want to talk from today. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. You may take your seats in the place today. It's, it's, it's a God thing. Thank you, ushers, for your service on today. Thank you. Thank you, band. My brothers and sisters, on January the 20th, 2009, on this historic but cold day, 
Barack Obama was sworn in as the 44th president of the United States of America. Most of this notoriety surrounding this historic day in America was mainly due to Barack Obama being the first black president or African-American president of the United States of America. However, I would like to suggest that he did not arrive at the highest office in our land arbitrarily. Because we know, as Pastor has mentioned, as I would like to remind you that Obama is a graduate of Columbia University. He's also a graduate of the Harvard Law School where he served as the president of the Harvard Law Review. He was a community organizer in Chicago as well as a civil rights attorney in Chicago. And as his attorney, he taught constitutional law at the University of Chicago Law School from 1992 to 2004. Prior to arriving at the office of President of the United States, he served as the senator from 1997 to 2004. In Obama's case, and everything that he accomplished and everything that he, he did, yes, the favor of God was on his life, but education was the great equalizer. If his education was out there, many of these doors would never have been open. My brothers and sisters, if we were to travel to Washington, D.C. today, we would discover at the National Mall that we have one of our own African Americans who is now unveiled there. And he is the only one who is not a former president of the United States of America. Here he is that ML is really in historic, our presidential company. Because when you look at it, you, we understand that across from this King Memorial is the Thomas Jefferson Memorial. Uh, on the, to the left of the King Memorial is the Washington Monument, and directly behind it is the Lincoln Monument. And most of us would know um, Dr. King by his great leadership of the Southern Christian Leadership Council. Many of us would know his works with the Civil Rights Movement, dealing with the sanitation issue in Memphis, as well as the Montgomery bus boycott and many other things, all of us will know about his infamous speech of I have a dream. However, I would like to suggest, Sister Gwen, that Dr. King did not arbitrarily get there. Understand that he had to work hard. He had to sacrifice. He graduates high school at 15, goes off to Morehouse College, receives his Bachelor's of Arts degree in sociology, later minister Ray to enroll at the Crozer Theological Seminary in Chester, Pennsylvania, and at the same time studying at the University of Pennsylvania. He was elected as the senior class president and gave the valedictorian address. He won the Pearl Flag. Blacker Award for the most outstanding student. He received the J. Lewis Crozier Fellowship for graduate study of his choice in which he later went on to Boston University to receive his PhD in systematic theology. All of that I'm trying to say with all of the great accomplishments of God, of, of Dr. King, that we can say that God was good to him, but education was the great 
equalizer. And likewise with Obama and King, Brother Anthony, so is it with the author of our text today, none other than the Apostle Paul. For those of us who have hung out in Bible country for any length of time knows that Paul gives us his credentials, a resume in Philippians chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Paul says, Brother Emmanuel, that he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm from the stock of Israel. He says, uh, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. He said, concerning the law, I am a Pharisee. He says, concerning the zeal, I persecuted the church. He says, concerning the righteousness, which is the law, I could literally be found blameless. It is this Apostle Paul, Cheryl, and Wendell that wrote much of the New Testament as we know it today. But let me suggest to you, brothers and sisters, under the sound of my voice, that Paul was not able to write these skillful yet spiritual letters using the high academic Greek language that he did arbitrarily. Matter of fact, Paul clears up this matter even though he was from the tribe of Benjamin, even though he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul says, when you look at Acts 22 verse 3, he says, I studied under the great rabbi Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of ancestors. So just like it was with King, just like it was with Obama, education was the great equalizer for Paul. That God used his education, that God used his academic ability to be able to deliver two-thirds of the New Testament in which we have it today. In this same vein, brothers and sisters, Paul now writes to his spiritual son, Timothy. He writes to Timothy in this for the second and final time, encouraging and exhorting him to study because studying is a spiritual responsibility. Uh, allow me to extrapolate my brothers and sisters, Minister Bonita, that studying is a God thing. I, I, want, I want somebody in here to hear me very well before you tune me out because what I want you to discover is that God does not get any glory out of us being ignorant or dumb. I, I think I need to say that again. I, I understand that God, contrary to popular demand, God does not want you and I to be uninformed or unintelligent. So, so much so that the brother of Jesus Christ, James, write in his epistle, and he says that if anyone lack wisdom, that all they have to do, uh, Sister Flowers, is ask God. And the text says that God will give generously to all, not y'all, but to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. Michelle, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's, he, this is what Paul also says. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, he says, I want none of you to be ignorant. I want you to be informed. I want you to be educated. I want you to be able to fully understand what it is that I want you to do. So that lets me know that, that, that achieving academic excellence requires a change in position. For those of you who are taking notes, it literally requires a change in position. Specifically, it, it requires a change in our psychological position because, Brother Andy, here's what I have d discovered in my life. If we are going to achieve anything great, if anything great is going to happen in our life, whether it's academic 
academically, whether it's spiritually, whether it's socially or financially, it always is going to start with a positive and healthy mindset that you and I have to understand that we got to get this thing in our mind, that you have to understand that one of the things that the devil is after is he is after your mind. He, he wants to control. He wants to pollute your mind because he don't want you to see yourself as God sees you because whenever you come to a reality that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, whenever you get in your mindset that I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Whenever you get this thing in your mind that I am the head and not the tail, the lender and not the bar, whenever you get this thing in your mind that I walk by faith and not by sight, whenever you get this thing in your mind that no weapon formed against me is going to say, I'm talking to somebody right now. And the reason that you can't praise God is because your mind is somewhere else. And your daily prayer ought to be, God, keep my mind in perfect peace because I'm here to tell you that if you can get your mind together, if you can get this thing in your mind, if every student can wake up every day and say, I'm going to get straight A's, and okay, if you can get this thing in your mind, Paul says that you got to wake up saying, let this mind be also in me that was in Christ. See, I don't just need any type of mindset, but I need the mindset that I can speak to this mountain, and this mountain shall, I need the type of mindset that lets me know that failure is not enough. I need the mindset that lets me know that if God woke me up this morning that I can have what he said I can have. I can do what he said I can do and I can become who he wants me to become. Paul said it's going to happen when you and I get this thing in our mind because we have to recognize and remember for as a person think it in his heart so is he you can only rise to the level of your mind so can you just shake your neighbor say neighbor what's going on in your mind what's going on in your mind you've got to get your mind together don't you understand that God has brought you too far for your mind to be low for your mind not to believe that God can do the impossible don't you understand that you've got to get this thing in your mind So Paul writes to him, Paul writes to him, and he says to him, he says to him, he says, Timothy, you, you got to understand that God is expecting some great things out of you, but you've got to get your mind together. You've got to wrap around it. And that's what I love about David. David protected his mind so much that David says, blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the... All I'm trying to tell you, brothers and sisters, if you're trying to get your mind together is some folks you might have to cut off is some people you may not have to be able to talk to and hang around because you if they come to you around negative talk to tell you what you can't do to tell you what you can't become you've got to say I man baby I'm trying to go somewhere in my life and I don't have time to have all these naysayers in my mind I don't need somebody trying to put what I cannot do what I cannot accomplish who I can I don't need that in my space I don't need that I need somebody who can tell me what does say at the Lord. Is there anybody in this building today that have a made up mind that, that your testimony is that I got to get my mind together? And David says, when you recognize 
that sometimes the company you keep is what controls your mind. He says the stuff that you read, the stuff that you look at, the stuff that you see is controlling your mind. That, that's why you got to do like David. You, you, you got to learn how to meditate on the law day and night. What you're trying to say is I got to feed my mind with hope. I got to feed my mind with positive stuff. I got to feed. Look what God tells Joshua. He says, Joshua, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. That's why Deacon Gene, I used to like this old song we used to sing in the church, Bread of Heaven. Bread of heaven. Feed me till I want no more. Our old people, they might not have had the PhD, but they understood that if that great Jehovah would lead us and guide us and feed us with the bread of heaven, that our minds would be expanded, that our minds would be so far engaged that when people called us crazy for leaving our jobs on faith to start that, but what you was trying to, I know something that that you don't know God has already put it in my mind that failure is not an option. God has already put it in me that I can make the straight A's and have an occasional B. Y'all sit down for a moment. Paul writes to this Timothy and he says to him that Timothy, I'm not writing to you as a student. But I'm writing to you as a workman. And Timothy, here is what I need you to realize. That one of the things that you need to do as a workman of God is to remember it's a God thing. He says, understand, Timothy, that I want you to have this excellent education. But you have to learn how to understand that it is a God thing. He says the first thing that you need to recognize is that you're going to have to have persistence. Let the church say persistence. When you look at this verse, the first word is study. And when Paul is writing to Timothy, what this word really means, study really means is to endeavor. It's the same word that Paul uses in Ephesians 4, 3 when he says that we must endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. What this word endeavor means, Robbie, is this. It means putting forth some effort. In other words, excellence in, edu- watch this, in execution does not happen through osmosis. That you're going to have to work. You're going to have to put some effort into it. I don't care, watch this, my brothers and sisters, that it starts with having a change in position. That you've got to have the right mindset. But you proclaiming that I'm going to make straight A's and occasional B is not just going to happen through osmosis just like you said I'm the head and not the tail that you're going to be what God that's not going to happen through osmosis you and I are going to have to put some effort and energy into this thing in other words when Paul is writing to Timothy to use his word study he means that it must be some zealous persistence in accomplishing a goal here's what I like to to say with you for your notes that the difference between between being average and high achievement is persistence. 
In other words, the question becomes, how persistent are you willing to be? In other words, Paul was admonishing Timothy to give his maximum effort. Watch this. To impart God's word completely and accurately and clearly to his hearers. My brothers and sisters, that is work. Here's what my dad would say, raising three boys. He would say something like this to us that really went over my head. He would say, sons, anything in this life that comes easy or without effort should make you nervous and uncomfortable. He said, because in this world, if you want to accomplish something big, if you want to drive the way you want to drive and live the way you want to live, it's going to take you some hard work and energy that, that you don't expect people just to give you everything. I know these young people. He said, but you're going to have to work hard to be able to get what you like. Likewise, my brothers and sisters, Paul is saying the same thing about academic excellence and spiritual development and growth that anything in this life is not going to come easy. That we must be willing to grind it out to get to the truth of the matter, spiritually speaking. And we must be willing to grind it out to get straight A's and occasionally be academically speaking. Paul did not desire Timothy to be on today and off tomorrow. Matter of fact, here's what he tells Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 4 and 2. He says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Likewise, my brothers and sisters, as Christian believers, that we must model this same persistency and consistency in our own study habits. I understand what you're saying. You've already gone to college. You've already obtained your degrees. But what you're trying to do is something greater than just obtain degrees to place them on your wall. You are trying to cultivate an atmosphere of learning and high achievement. Therefore, our young people must see us studying. Come on, talk to me. So, that we must set this example. That you, that we, but our kids must see us. Watch this. Studying the scripture persistently. Reading a book persistently. Because what we're trying to say to them that you can never get to a point and place in your life where you stop learning. Let me vision cast for a moment. Maybe that's why it's so important that we are a part of a growth group. Because the growth group models the high premium place on studying the word of God despite the challenges of time. Despite it's not our preferred learning style. Despite the comfort of being in somebody else's house and exposing ourselves. That when we rise above all of these challenges and show that we are committed and persistent. Perhaps our kids will go to school when it's not the same learning style they prefer. When they have to be engaged in challenges of time management as well as a discomfort. When they see mama and daddy engage in study it will motivate them to do the same thing remember it's a God thing and that's why my brothers and sisters when we face persecution and trials and challenging the obstacles that we must be persistent because it's a God thing John 16 and 33 says that in this world you will have tribulation 
but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Understand, my brothers and sisters, that Obama's ride to the White House did not come because he didn't have obstacles. King Monument that is now standing in the National Mall did not get there because he didn't have trials or tribulations. Matter of fact, they just believed that their setback were opportunity for a greater combat. And that's what we got to tell our kids in this life, that sometimes you will have setbacks, but you have to look at your setback as an opportunity for you to come back to be greater than you were before. Understand this, my brothers and sisters, that God not only understands this, he is, Paul is writing to Timothy to tell him about this particular thing that he must understand, he must be persistent. But he says the second thing is that, that an excellent education must be a priority. Look at what he says. And, and when you look at this verse in the New International Version, the NIV Version, they, they use the word diligent or uh, diligently. That Paul writes to him and says, Timothy, be diligent. In other words, Paul is saying to Timothy that you must have or show care in your work and duties. Paul was not only charging Timothy to be persistent in his study or endeavors, but he says, Timothy, you must make it a priority. See, my brothers and sisters, when it comes to the spiritual disciplines of reading the word and praying and worshiping and loving our brothers and sisters, it should be a priority and not a field in the blank mentality. Paul is writing Timothy to say, Timothy, that this is too important for you to be wishy-washy and vacillated. That, that this must be at the first and center and forefront of your existence. And let me say this, my brothers and sisters, that gives me a word to say to somebody that if you and I are ever going to achieve high, if we're going to achieve high academically or spiritually or socially or professionally, it's always going to be when I our priorities are in order. I, I understand what you're saying that you think you got to do this and you think you got to, but let me tell you something, child of God, that God must be at the front and center of our life, that God will never be comfortable or satisfied being next. That, that's why I used to love the old saints. Every time they would come to do their announcements or do something in church, I like to thank God because he's a Head of my life. Come on, talk to me, somebody. They would always remind us that God was the head, that God was the leader of their lives, and everything else had to follow. Let me give somebody some scriptural encouragement today because I know what you're saying. Pastor T, you don't understand what I'm facing in my life, that I have bills to pay. I got food that needs to be on the table, shelter and cook. I understand, but let me tell you what Jesus has to say about it. Jesus said, don't worry about it. What, what, what you mean? Don't, don't worry about the food on my table. Don't worry about the health in my body. Don't worry about the clothes. Oh, Jesus said, yes, don't worry about what, what you mean, don't worry. He says, because here's all you need to do. But seek ye first. 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things shall be added. That's why you got to tell your kids, I understand that you're going to school and you're going to take these AP classes and you're going to do calculus and geometry and all of this stuff. But baby, let me tell you something. You better still keep God at the forefront and center of your life. That's why I tell my kids every morning, before you do anything, you better pray. You better acknowledge God. You better tell God to get in my mind and be with me and lead me and guide me and direct me every step of the way. Paul is trying to tell Timothy, and I'm telling somebody in here, that, that, that you're trying to look over your life to see why things are not lining up the way they need to. Could it be that your priorities are in the wrong place? I know that God is on your list. But the question is, what's his number? Because I'm here to tell you, God is not going to compete to become at the top of your list. God is just saying, okay, go ahead. Do what you want to do. I'm not going to convince you to pray. I'm not going to try to beg you to worship me. I'm not going to try to beg you to acknowledge me. But when hell come knocking at your door long enough, when bills start coming from every direction, when the hellhounds start chasing you and stabbing you in your back, you will be reminded to keep me first. We turn to your neighbors and neighbors. Get your priorities together. Let me talk to our young people that's over there texting on their phones. That you have to understand that the academic excellence must become your priority. That when you get home from school, the first thing you don't do is Facebook. The first thing you don't do is the Xbox. The first thing that you don't do is Twitter. The first thing that you don't do is watch television for five hours. But the first thing that you do is give God praise for making it home safe and then open up your books and study and read and research do I have a witness in this house I know I know I know that some of you have convinced yourselves that your best work is done through procrastination I know you convinced yourself of it But straight A's and an occasional B very seldom happens through procrastination. But it does happen through prioritization. Let me just tell every young person here this. Let me just tell you this. That you've been fortunate to get away with some last minute projects. Some 10 minute chapter reviews before the test. And perhaps loading notes in your iPod for the test. But I'm here to tell you that, that you are on a course to crash. That you must get your priorities together. But I had a question for the text, Tony. Why is Paul so adamant with Timothy about studying diligently and doing his best? He says, he says, Tim. You got to accomplish high 
and do your best because it impacts more than you. I, I got to preach this thing today. I know we live in a culture that all you are concerned about is yourself. But he said, but Tim, if you mishandle scripture, you ain't just leading yourself astray, but you're leading others astray. Let me tell these young people, when you are not doing your best in school, you ain't the only one affected. The whole house is affected. Okay. If you have to stay after school for extra assistance, it just ain't affecting you. But your parents got to rearrange their schedules. Y'all making me work today. Listen, if you require a tutor, not because you like intellectual ability, but just because you lazy and undisciplined, it just doesn't affect you. Boy, I'm preaching to myself here. That if you have to take online classes and go to night school and repeat classes, it ain't just affecting you. It's affecting the whole house. That's why we must make it a priority to do our best. God bless my mother. My mother talked a lot. I know I'm tuned out, but she was right on this one. My mother would often say to us when it came to doing our chores and helping other people, ironing our clothes, and especially doing deeds for God. Jaquim is here's what she would tell us. Do your best. I don't do it at all. Oh, somebody missed what I just said. Do your best. I don't do it at all. Young people, that's what you ought to do. Do your best. I don't do it at all. Don't waste our money on Jordans and clothes. If you ain't going to go to school to learn. Boy, they mad with me. Let me get out of here. Let me get out of here. The goal, my brothers and sisters, is to honor God by living out your purpose to meet God's approval. This word approve in the Greek is dokimos. It means to favorably pass careful scrutiny. It means to, to thereby be counted worthy. It has to do with the energy of metal being tested to see what it's made out of, to see how pure, to see how genuine it is. And Paul is writing to Timothy to tell Timothy, Tim, that the works of the believers are going to be reviewed in judgment and either going to be step approved or disapproval. He says, so Timothy, because God is checking you out, because God is inspecting you, I need you to do your best in these two arenas of your life. He says, first of all, I need you to do your best in rightly dividing. When he says rightly dividing, he means to cut it straight. 
which is a reference to the exactness demanded by such trades of carpentry and masonry. And Paul, being a leather maker and a tent maker, he knew about the exactness in measurement that Paul said that precision and accuracy was needed in biblical interpretation beyond all other enterprises because the interpreter is handling God's word. The historical context of this text today in which Paul is writing to Timothy. Paul is writing to him because false teachers have arisen up by the name of Hymenaeus and Philetus who are not promoting Gnosticism. And Paul is writing to his son saying, son, I know that much dissension and debate is going on, but I don't want you to become discouraged. I don't want you to worry about what everybody else is doing, but I need you to stand tall and do what is right. That's a word for our young people in this building today, that you can't worry about what every other student is doing or not doing. That C's and D's and F's may be satisfactory in somebody else's house, but I feel a Joshua, but as for me in my house, it's straight A's and an occasional B that's cutting it straight. But let me say to you, my brothers and sisters, that this will not come easy. I want you to understand that just as the church of Ephesus was facing opposition, trying to rightly divide the word by cutting it straight, that we are going to face opposition when we're trying to cut it straight. That workers should expect warfare. That our young people should expect the warfare of distraction. The warfare of trying to pretend to be dumb. Warfare of discomforting dialogue with parents, teachers, and administrators. But however, I believe that when we know our purpose, that our purpose will propel us to outperform the pitfalls and the problems. That's why I bless God for King who didn't let being thrown in jail stop him from pressing his way. I didn't. He didn't let being sprayed by these racist people stop him from going on his track. That's why I like Obama. He didn't let the fact that he didn't win in the House of Representatives discourage him from running from the Senate, from running for the President of the United States of America. All I'm trying to tell somebody is that's why the devil don't want you to know your purpose. Because when you know your purpose, you will wake up early and stay up late. You will study more without your parents telling you. You will sleep less and ask questions and do much more because you know what you're talking about. Rod, you don't mind if I just share your story. Rod was telling me in the office before we came out that Alexis is here and Alexis is a great student doing great things and she has a very rigorous schedule this year she's in AP classes and honors classes and it's very hard and challenging and her dad being a dad you know how when your dad is girl that sometimes they have a tender place in your heart and she was calling saying that dad is real hard it's, 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 it's becoming discouraged but he said baby but you don't have to make straight A's this year some B's will be fine but she he said, Daddy, the school where I'm trying to go, I can't afford not to make straight A's. See, when you know what your purpose is, that even when somebody else comes along, your purpose will tell you, I got to perform at a certain level. Well, Paul not only says this, that you got to rightly divide. He says, but you got to do your best because you got to reach your destiny. Look what he says, be diligent to present yourself. 
This word to present yourself or to show yourself literally means to stand alongside of. The idea in this passage is that I'm standing alongside or I am standing before God presenting myself for inspection. In other words, what that means that wherever you and I are, that God is sizing us up. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is sizing us up. And Paul is writing Timothy to tell him, Tim, that every time you stand to preach the word of God, you have to know, yes, there are people in the audience who are looking at you, but that's not your greatest concern. You have to be concerned because God is watching you. And let me tell somebody, but as we're getting ready to give the benediction and you're going to go to school tomorrow, work tomorrow and growth groups in a week from now and come back to worship on next week and you're going to go home. But let me remind some of us that God is watching us to see if we are going to cut it straight, to see if we are going to have a change in our position, to see how persistent God is going to be. And let me tell somebody that this week, because of this word, you are going to have ridicule that's going to rise up. You're going to have haters that are going to begin to hate on you. You're going to have gossipers who are going to try to bring you gloom on your journey. But you must be like a and keep the goal in mind because the goal is not to be a people pleaser, but the goal is to be a God pleaser. Let me read this verse to you and I'm getting out of here. It says study to show thyself approved unto God. Will you just turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I ain't trying to watch this impress you. I ain't trying to please you, but I'm trying to please the one that woke me up this morning morning and started me on my way. Do I have a witness in this house? Let me, let me see if I can help you. There, there, there was a young boy in Austria giving his, was his first violin recital. And here he is, hundreds of people have come into this auditorium from all over Europe to hear him because he was trained by one of the greatest masters in all of Europe. Here it is, this boy had tremendous talent. He had learned his lessons well. And the Bible, watch this, and the story says that he stood on the stage in front of hundreds of people's lovers of good music and he performed with confidence and skill. And following each piece, the crowd would cheer loudly and at the end of his recital Sister Antonia, everybody stood up giving this performer a standing ovation saying bravo and encore and other words of praise and appreciation but brother Ashley this young musician seemed not even to hear them he looked all over this auditorium looking up in the balcony and the story goes on to say that he was just looking for one person's approval he saw this old rugged withering man who gave him the thumbs up and shook his head in approval and all of a sudden this boy began to go with excitement because it didn't matter about the cheers of everybody else in the building the only applause and recognition that he was looking for was from his master and I just want to stop by here on my way to glory to ask you this question is there anybody here who wants to hear the master's approval is there anybody here who want to hear the lord say well done thy good and faithful servant will you just turn to your neighbor and say neighbor i ain't looking for your approval but i'm looking for god's approval
Is there anybody here that can give God praise that if you never hear anybody else, but you hear God say, well done. I'm out of time. Everybody's standing. I'm out of time. The reason why I'm so persistent is because I'm not looking for your approval. The reason why I had a change in mindset to believe I can do what God says I can do. Because if you had the power to control my destiny, I wouldn't be where I am now. Some of your testimony is you're glad you didn't listen to the naysayers. You, you had to rise above what they say you couldn't do, what you couldn't be. And at the end of the day, young people, it's not even about your parents. It's not about the teachers. It's not about the administrators. It's a God thing. It's God approved. We ain't the only one looking at your pinnacle. We ain't the only one looking at your report. Because God is looking. And God does not get glory out of you pretending to be what he's not created you to be. You can't convince me that God had in mind in Genesis 1 when he made us and saw us and called us very good that he had F and D potential on our lives. I'm sorry, you can't convince me of that. God wants you to work in a way that you say, at the end of my journey, I want to hear God say, well done. Approve. So I love that song we used to sing, to God be the glory. It kept things in our mindset. That everything I'm doing to God be the glory. That, that's how you got to go to work tomorrow to God be the glory. When you go to school to God be the glory. Read it while you're studying your Bible so hard to God be the glory. Grab somebody's hand all over this place. We're out of time. We got to move. But to God, be the glory. Ah, yes, Lord. I want God's approval. It's not just about the accolades and recognition I get from man, but I'm working so God can be pleased. If you're in this building today, you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let me just say to you, there's no way you can get God's approval being unsaved. If you don't know Christ today as your Lord and Savior, but you want to give your life over to him, squeeze that hand you're holding. Just squeeze it one time. Squeeze it. If you're not a part of a church, or you desire to become a part of the fountain of new life, and you want to make that decision known today, squeeze that hand that you're holding. 
last and final category. You heard the word today. You've been convicted because of your poor performance, your low mindset, not being as resistant as you need to be, not making God the priority in your life, not making school the priority. You recognize you need to rededicate yourself to him and, and for us to pray for you. Squeeze that hand one time. If somebody squeeze your hand one time, don't let it go, but you bring that hand down to the altar. In Jesus' name, amen. If somebody squeeze your hand, you and that hand come to the altar. If they want to give their life, don't, don't let it go. Just bring that hand. 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 They're not going to be mad at you. Don't let it go. Yeah. Bring that hand. Bring that hand. You and that hand come. You and that hand come. That's it, quietly. That's it. Come on. Come on, sing that all over this sanctuary. Come on to God. That's it. That's it. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. That's it. Come on. That's it. That's it. Hallelujah. This is my last appeal for you, my brother, my sister. You know you needed to squeeze somebody's hand. You know you need to be here. But you didn't come. I'm going to give you one last time to come. Because you need to get this thing together. That God has destiny and purpose on your life. And you can't stay where you are. Will you come? Will you come? Give your life to Christ. Unite with Christ. Recommit yourself. Come on, give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's it. Sing it into this place. Come on. There's somebody else.